The subject of this tape is sacramentals. This teaching will be divided into three major parts. First, sacramentals defined. Second, sacramentals in Holy Scripture. And third, sacramentals today. First, sacramentals defined. Sacramentals are visible things used for a spiritual effect greater than the power in the thing itself. Jesus used sacramentals in his ministry. Let's look at the Gospel of St. John, chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. The story is about a man born blind. Verses 6 and 7. With that, Jesus spat on the ground and made mud with his saliva and smeared the man's eyes with the mud. Then he told him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went off and washed and came back able to see. In this healing, Jesus used a material object for an effect greater than was possible by the material object itself. This fulfills our definition of a sacramental, namely a visible thing which has a spiritual effect greater than the power in the thing itself because of the power of Jesus. In this instance, Jesus didn't have to use mud. He did not have to send the man to the pool to wash off the mud and come back with his sight. Jesus could have given him sight simply by willing it through his divine power. But Jesus did use, in this case, the little mud paste and the going and washing in the pool of water as a means of giving this man his sight. This is an example of the definition we use of sacramental, a visible thing or a material object which, through the power of Jesus, has a spiritual effect greater than what we would expect from the material object itself. Let us look now at what the disciples used. We can find this in Mark chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. The occasion is Jesus sending out the twelve apostles on a missionary journey. Verse 12, With that they went off preaching the need of repentance. They expelled many demons, anointed the sick with oil, and worked many cures. This anointing the sick with oil is again the use of a sacramental, a material object which has the power in it, the power of Jesus, to give the material object a power greater than we would expect in the object by itself. In this case, it's oil. The apostles anoint the sick with oil and work many cures through this anointing with oil. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave authority to his followers to do his work. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and following, Jesus came forward and addressed them in these words. Full authority has been given to me both in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to carry out everything I have commanded you. Know that I am with you always until the end of the world. In this passage, Jesus declares the full authority that he has in heaven and on earth. 
Hence, using that authority, he sends his apostles out with authority. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. He sends them to carry out everything I have commanded you. One of the things Jesus had taught his apostles was the use of sacramentals, and they had used the sacramental of oil in curing the sick, as we have read in Mark chapter 6, verse 13. Now let's look at St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, where Jesus speaks of a sacramental. Jesus told them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the good news to all creation. And then in verse 17, Signs like these will accompany those who have professed their faith. They will use my name to expel demons. They will speak entirely new languages. They will be able to handle serpents. They will be able to drink deadly poison without harm. And the sick, upon whom they lay their hands, will recover. I want to discuss a little bit this last part. The sick, upon whom they lay their hands, will recover. This laying on of hands is another example of a sacramental. It is a visible object that has the spiritual effect through the power of Jesus greater than a simple material object would have in itself. The sheer laying on of hands does not cure people. If it did, there would be no reason to have doctors. All we would do is have somebody lay hands on, believer or non-believer, just have the hands laid on and the sickness would be cured. This would put doctors, hospitals, and druggists out of business. But Jesus here is speaking of a sacramental, that is, the laying on of hands as a visible object or a visible action, which has a spiritual effect, namely healing the sick. And it only has this effect of healing the sick through the power of Jesus. The simple laying on of hands of a non-believer will not heal the sick. But if the laying on of hands is accompanied by the power of Jesus, then the laying on of hands will cure the sick. The curing of the sick does not come through the laying on of hands, but it comes through the laying on of hands that is joined with the power of Jesus. What's important in it is the power of Jesus. People can be cured without laying on of hands if the power of Jesus is there, and they cannot be cured with the laying on of hands if the power of Jesus is absent. But if the power of Jesus accompanies, goes along with the laying on of hands, then we have a sacramental, a visible object, the laying on of hands, which has a spiritual effect through the power of Jesus, namely the curing of the disease. Here we have Jesus expressly telling his disciples to use a sacramental, namely the laying on of hands for the curing of the sick. St. Paul used the sacramentals. We can read this in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. Meanwhile, God worked extraordinary miracles at the hands of Paul. When handkerchiefs or cloths which had touched his skin were applied to the sick, their diseases were cured and evil spirits departed from them. Here we have an example of Paul using the material object, that is, a handkerchief or a cloth, 
to have a spiritual effect, namely curing diseases and driving out evil spirits because the power of Jesus was somehow connected with the cloth. This is what we mean by a sacramental. Put more simply, a sacramental is a visible tool to do a certain spiritual job through the power of Jesus. A hammer is a tool to drive a nail. A knife is a tool to cut potatoes. A sacramental is a tool with the power of Jesus to do a spiritual job. Now we come to what's important and practical for us today. Jesus himself used sacramentals. He had his apostles use sacramentals, and he wants his followers to use sacramentals today. Thank you, Jesus. Sacramentals work today because they have the power of Jesus, just like they worked before when they had the power of Jesus. The sacramental cannot do the job by itself. It must have the power of Jesus. Sacramentals work today because the church has official prayers which give these sacramentals the power that is asked for in the prayer. When these official prayers of the church are said in faith and obedience, they are said in the name of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, and the effect is there in the sacramental. In other words, when the church acts today in obedience to Jesus and with faith in Jesus, Jesus acts. Jesus acts through his followers today. So when these official prayers of the church are said in faith and obedience, Jesus acts and the objects that are blessed have the power that is expressed, that is asked for in the prayer of blessing. In a few words, when the church acts, Jesus acts. When the church blesses, Jesus blesses. So a sacramental that has the blessing of the church has the blessing of Jesus, has the power of Jesus, and will do the work of Jesus. If we want to see what power any sacramental has, what we do is examine the blessing the sacramental expresses and the prayer will tell us the power of Jesus that will be in the sacramental. In other words, if the church says this official prayer in obedience and in faith, Jesus acts. And this object now has the power asked for in the prayer of blessing. Let us examine now four practical sacramentals that are very important for our daily Christian life and our daily spiritual warfare we will find out the use and the power in each sacramental by examining the prayer of blessing, the official prayer of the church said in obedience and in faith that gives this material object the spiritual power of Jesus to do a special job. Each of these sacramentals, holy water, salt, blessed candles, and oil, will have the same power that is asked for in the official prayer of blessing, so let us examine each sacramental and each blessing to see what power it has and how it should and how we should use it. First holy water. This blessing is taken from the old Roman ritual. The priest says over the holy water in the rite of blessing, may you be a purified water empowered to drive afar all power of the enemy, in fact to root out and banish the enemy himself along with his fallen angels. We ask this through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming to judge both the living and the dead and the world by fire. So we see by the first part of this prayer of blessing 
that the water is purified, that it has the power to drive away all power of the enemy, in fact, to root out and banish the enemy, the enemy himself along with his fallen angels. Whenever there's a conference in a public place, the area should be sprinkled with holy water before the conference begins so that all evil spirits who were attracted there by some previous production can be driven off. The place will be purified and the angels of darkness driven away. I had the opportunity to bless the Colosseum in Long Beach, California before a conference a few years ago, and there was a noticeable, a noticeable difference afterwards. As soon as we began to bless the place, everything felt much lighter, and people began to praise the Lord for the first time. Up to that time, the workers were under some oppression, were not able to praise the Lord freely and loudly. But as soon as we began to sprinkle holy water around the inside and the outside, of the assembly hall, then a new spirit took over and all evil spirits were driven away and people became very joyful in the Lord and free in their praise. The second prayer for the blessing of holy water says this, may this creature of yours, referring to the holy water, when used in your mysteries and endowed with your grace, serve to cast out demons and to banish disease. Well, that is beautiful serve to cast out demons and to banish disease. So this holy water has now got the power to do two things, banish the demons or cast out demons and to banish disease. Then the prayer goes on. May everything that this water sprinkles in the homes and gatherings of the faithful be delivered from all that is unclean and hurtful. Let no breath of contagion hover there, no taint of corruption that all the wiles of the lurking enemy come to nothing. It's very beneficial for people to drink holy water. I personally drink holy water every chance I get. If someone needs deliverance, drinking holy water will be a great aid. Evil spirits cannot stand holy water. Sometimes a person under the oppression of a demon, when holy water strikes, will scream, as if being struck with fire. And so as one drinks holy water, the body absorbs it, and the evil spirits that are lurking inside are burned and purged away. We started blessing the water in the swimming pool at our summer camp, and after that there was a decided peace when the children swam, which was not there before that. So if a whole pool is made into holy water, then as the people are swimming, the evil spirits are subdued and driven off. Praise the Lord for that power he gives us. Holy water is so powerful and works in so many different ways. The last prayer for the making of holy water has these words. Wherever the holy water is sprinkled and your holy name is invoked, may every assault of the unclean spirits be baffled, and all dread of the serpent's venom be cast out. A house that has contained any occult objects should be thoroughly sprinkled with holy water. Occult objects 
would include signs of the Zodiac, the Ouija board, Buddha, books of silver, mind control, New Age paraphernalia, and the like. The second sacramental we will take up is holy salt. In the old Roman ritual, there are two blessings for blessed salt. One is the blessing used to prepare holy water. Holy water is a mixture of water and blessed salt. When we bless salt, we use two blessings from the old Roman ritual, one for the salt used in making holy water, and the other one, the blessing for salt used in baptism, the salt formerly put on the tongue of the infant. First, let us look at the blessing for salt used in holy water. The blessing reads, May you be a purified salt, a means of health for those who believe, a medicine for body and soul for all who make use of you. May all evil fancies of the foul fiend, his malice and cunning, be driven afar from the place where you are sprinkled. Let every unclean spirit be repulsed by him who is coming to judge both the living and the dead and the world by fire. Let's go back and examine what this prayer says, that this salt will be a means of health, a medicine for body and soul, for all who make use of it. Then it takes up being sprinkled around. May all evil fancies of the foul fiend, his malice and cunning, be driven afar from the place where you are sprinkled. This salt is supposed to be a means of health, a medicine for body and soul, and drive away the power of the evil one wherever it is sprinkled. I would recommend that anybody who owns a house or a building put blessed salt in all the cracks and corners of the house so that it can never be cleaned up by a vacuum cleaner. Then there is a perpetual protection against an invasion an invasion of evil spirits. I remember once we decided to visit all the centers of witchcraft in a certain town. What we planned to do was put salt in all of these places. Blessed salt is so terrifying to the enemy that the enemy alerted all the people in each of these places before we got there. As we would arrive at a place to put blessed salt, the people inside would meet us at the door with eyes wide with terror. A person who is seriously oppressed by the evil spirit has great difficulty in eating blessed salt. Sometimes the evil one will not give them the strength to lift their hand up to their mouth when it contains blessed salt. Eating blessed salt will often cause vomiting or diarrhea, which is a sign of purification. Blessed salt has tremendous power to cure the sick, especially when the sickness is related to contact with evil spirits through violations of the first of the Ten Commandments, namely, I am the Lord your God, you shall not have strange gods before me. The second prayer for the blessing of salt used in holy water is this. May all who use this salt find it a remedy for body and mind, and may everything that it touches or sprinkles be freed from uncleanness and any influence of the evil spirit through Christ our Lord. So this is a medicine for body and mind, and whatever the person's spiritual or physical problem is, the blessed salt will go to work immediately to cure it. 
I'm sure volumes could be written of the experiences we have had in our community and the successes in using blessed salt. One instance comes to mind, a lady who had gonorrhea. Her husband kept infecting her, and her doctor said it got increasingly difficult to cure her because the medicine simply did not have the effect that they formerly did. She used blessed salt for three days, went back to see her doctor, and he said she was cured. I had never blessed salt in my life as a priest, and nothing had ever been said about it in the seminary. One day I was praying at my desk, and it came very clearly to my mind that I should bless salt, and I got out the ritual to bless some. Later, a girl came to see me who had been involved in witchcraft. Without her knowing what I was doing, I came up behind her as she was seated and very carefully dropped a few grains of the salt on the top of her hair in such a way that she couldn't feel it or even know what I was doing. I just sprinkled a few grains of salt on the top of her head. The, the minute the salt hit her hair, she jumped out of the chair straight up in the air, and I knew then why God had let me know to bless salt. I've been blessing it ever since. One thing about eating blessed salt, if people have had contact with the occult, especially if they've been to a curandera or a witch or a spiritualist, they need blessed salt. These are the arms that God gives us to fight these evils. I would recommend for many people that they eat some blessed salt every hour, maybe what would be equivalent to one half a pea. As the body absorbs this salt, it goes throughout their whole system, and they will be purified. Frequently, they'll get diarrhea or vomiting or gas or belching, but in a week or two, they will be changed people. Their sadness will have gone away. Their fear will have gone away. They will feel a lightness inside they did not experience before simply by eating blessed salt. The salt penetrates the whole body and is a remedy for body and soul. I eat blessed salt all the time. A second blessing for salt is what was used in the old baptismal rite, the salt put on the infant's tongue. The prayer goes, Therefore we beg you, Lord our God, to sanctify and to bless this creature's salt, thus providing a perfect remedy for all who receive it, one that will permeate their inmost being. To permeate their inmost being and be a perfect remedy. So it is by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who is under the oppression of the enemy needs to eat a lot of blessed salt. One of two things will happen. They will either be prevented from eating the salt by the enemy, or they will continue to eat it and be gradually purified, liberated, and freed. If the enemy has such power over them that they cannot take the salt, then much more drastic measures will have to be taken in order to free this person from diabolical bondage. But the salt will certainly begin to do the job. The enemy will definitely put up obstacles to the taking of the salt because he cannot abide the power of Jesus in the blessed salt.
The next sacramental we will look at is blessed candles. There are candles that are blessed, and there are candles that are not blessed. And there are candles that are blessed with one blessing, and there are candles that are blessed with another blessing. The most powerful blessing that I know of for candles is in the Roman ritual. In the edition that I'm using, it's on page 555. This is the complete edition edited by Philip T. Weller, published by the Bruce Publishing Company in Milwaukee. When I speak of blessed candles, I'm speaking of candles with this particular blessing on them and not the other blessings, which, as far as I know, are considerably weaker and less powerful than this particular blessing. But I know this blessing works, and the blessing is this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, bless these candles at our lowly request. Endow them, Lord, by the power of the Holy Cross with a blessing from on high. Wow, did you get that? That they will have, by the power of the Holy Cross, a blessing from on high. Let the blessing that they receive from the sign of the Holy Cross be so effectual that wherever they are lighted or placed, the princes of darkness may depart in trembling from all these places and flee in fear along with all their legions and never more dare to disturb or molest those who serve you, the Almighty God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Bless a candle with this blessing and all evil spirits will flee in fear from that place. Somebody who has problems in a place where he is working or living can put a blessed candle there and that will run the demon off. I remember a lady who was coming to the Lord and beginning to realize the evil of other religions not based on Jesus Christ. She had invited a practitioner of one of these non-Christian religions, which was really demon worship, to live in her home. At the same time, she was turning her heart to Jesus Christ. She asked, what shall I do to get this guy out of my home? I said, you take a blessed candle and set it up in your house. She took the candle home and set it up in her house and lighted it. As soon as the man of the pagan religion came inside her house, he turned and faced the candle. What is that doing here? Although there were other candles in the house, there was nothing unusual about having that candle. His eyes and attentions were immediately riveted on this blessed candle. With a few, within a few hours, he had packed up all his things and left that house. Thank you, Jesus. The last sacramental that I will discuss is the blessing of oil. This is a sacramental that Jesus used, and we read about it in the Gospel of St. Mark. This blessing of oil is very powerful and, again, is taken from the old Roman ritual. When we bless oil, we put two blessings on the oil, both from the Roman ritual. This oil seems to be intended for lay people to use and has a tremendous blessing on it. Then the second blessing we put on the same oil is a blessing in honor of St. Serapion, martyr. I'm going to take up the blessing of St. Serapion first. It's olive oil, and this is the blessing. Let all who suffer from sores, fractures, or other painful ailments by the anointing with this holy oil and the prayers and aid of the saint experience alleviation in this life and attain per perfect well-being in the life to come.
This oil is for sores, fractures, or other painful ailments. It will help take away the pain. Another prayer in the same blessing of St. Serapion, bless this oil and hallow it by the power of your benediction. Grant that by the anointing with this oil in honor of your martyr, all who are suffering from any kind of pain may experience by your help alleviation in body and by your grace solace of mind and thus fully restored in health be able to offer you thanksgiving in your church through Christ our Lord. We see then that this oil is meant to be put on the body to ease any kind of pain in the body and also ease the pain of mind in order to restore health fully. The second blessing of holy oil is also to be used by lay people. I put both blessings on the same oil, the Serapian blessing and this one we're about to consider. This is a tremendous blessing. It's good to protect one from assault of the enemy and also to cure body and mind. Listen to this. Let the adversary's power, the devil's legions, and all Satan's attacks and machinations be dispelled and driven afar from this creature oil. Let this oil bring health in body and mind to all who use it. In the name of God the Father Almighty and of our Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This particular blessing gives this oil power to bring health in body and mind, so this is for mental illness and physical illness for all who use it. Then it goes on, May it please you, God, to regard favorably and to bless and hallow this creature oil, which by your power has been pressed from the juice of olives. You have ordained it for anointing the sick, so when they are made well they may give thanks to you, the living and true God. Here is the payload. Grant, we pray, that those who will use this oil, which we're blessing in your name, may be delivered from all suffering, all infirmity, and all wiles of the enemy. The prayer says that they be delivered from all suffering, all infirmity, all wiles, that is, tricks of the enemy. The prayer goes on. Let it be a means of averting any kind of adversity from man, so that he may never again suffer the sting of the ancient serpent. If someone is going to be tempted a lot, he needs to put on this holy oil. I'm thinking, for example, of someone who has been on alcohol or drugs. They have been prayed with for a healing. They have experienced this healing. Then it would be very beneficial for them to anoint themselves with blessed oil so that they can begin to build themselves up in faith and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. This holy oil on the body has the power of Jesus to drive off the enemy from trying to get a foothold in their soul again by some trickery or deception. This oil works in three ways. It's blessed to heal sickness in body and in mind and avert any kind of adversity. Some parents put this oil on the foreheads of their children every night before they go to bed. It's got the power of Jesus to do the job, and it will do the job. Somebody can put it on their children before they go to school. There are other sacramentals, but we have limited ourselves here to just four. St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. 
Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. Our battle is not against human forces, but against the principalities and powers, the rulers of this world of darkness, the evil spirits in regions above. You must put on the armor of God if you are to resist on the evil day. Do all that your duty requires and hold your ground. Part of the strength that we can draw from the Lord is in these sacramentals that work day and night. If we use the sacramentals, they will work while we are asleep. And it is the great mercy of the Lord that he has given us these beautiful weapons to use in our battle against the enemy, in God's battle against the enemy. We would be foolish and ungrateful to neglect to use these very powerful arms. A difficulty arises in the, uses, in the use of the sacramentals. People might misunderstand them and think of them as a substitute for the reception of Jesus in Holy Communion or a substitute for true repentance and sorrow for sin and other things that are necessary in the spiritual life. But because there is a danger of abuse in the sacramentals, there's no reason why they should not be used. There is a danger in any aspect of the spiritual life. There is a danger in prayer that the prayer be somehow false. There is a danger in prophecy that the prophecy may come from the evil spirit instead of the good spirit. There is a danger in tongues that the tongues may come from the evil spirit instead of the good spirit. But just because the danger is there is no reason why we should not use the means that God puts in our hands. Because there's a danger in prophecy, we are not to despise prophecy. As St. Paul says, do not despise prophecy. Because there's a danger in the sacramentals, there's no reason why we should not use them. We should be aware of the danger and avoid the danger. The danger, as I see it, is a misunderstanding of the sacramentals, thinking that they are a substitute for other things that are very necessary in the spiritual life, like repentance or like receiving Jesus' body and blood in Holy Communion, reading the Bible, and so forth. The sacramentals are not a substitute, but they are a powerful arm that God gives us in our fight against the enemy. We should use them with gratitude. I would like to conclude by saying that the enemy has a sacramental system. The enemy uses material objects to draw people into his kingdom and hold them in his kingdom. And the sacramentals of the enemy are those things like a Ouija board, a horoscope, Buddha, and other things connected with the occult. People who deal in witchcraft have special incense. They also use salt. They use eggs. They use limpias. These things are part of the sacramental system of the devil, and they carry power from the devil wherever they are. So we are forbidden to use any of these things or bring them into our house if they are connected in any way with the sacramental system of the enemy. So God has his sacramental system, which we discuss in this tape. Jesus used it. He encouraged his followers to use it. The church uses it. We should use it. The devil has his sacramental system. We are forbidden to use it. In the beginning of these prayers from the Roman ritual is an exorcism. The prayer for oil starts out, God's creature oil, I cast out the demon from you. 
by God the Father Almighty. Why do we cast the demon out of the oil? In case this oil has formerly come in some way into the sacramental system of the devil, it now is being cleansed of that and brought into the sacramental system of Jesus the Lord. Therefore, we use our sacramental system, that is the sacramental system of God, to combat the sacramental system of Satan and to give us protection and victory in Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a further danger that the sacramentals of God will be misunderstood as good luck charms, and this, of course, can be an abuse. Someone can use a medal of St. Christopher in his car to find a parking spot. This is a superstitious attitude and is to be discouraged. The sacramentals do not bring good luck, but the sacramentals do the job they are prayed for to do. God wants us to use them in the way he intends. That's why he gives us such a powerful tool. A good craftsman uses a hammer and a saw to do the job that a hammer and a saw are made to do. So we should use the sacramentals in the way God intends us to use them, to do a spiritual job and gain the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord.